Hello world, I'm Ethan Hansen, and this is Quantum Computing Now, a podcast about quantum computing basics, news, and interviews. The episode you're about to hear is an interview with someone who's doing cool and good things in the world of quantum computing. Stay tuned no matter what your level of understanding is, because these are always interesting conversations open to people of all levels of knowledge. In this episode, I had the chance to talk with Johan Vos, author of Quantum Computing for Developers, about his goal of getting existing developers acquainted with at least the basics of quantum computing so they aren't left behind as the field takes off. Stick around for more info on how to get yourself a copy and potentially get a discount of his book. And go ahead, take it away, me, but in a recording. Hello, I'm Ethan Hansen, and I'm here with Johan Vos. Uh, he has written a book for Manning Publications, Quantum Computing for Developers, and he's here to talk about it. Johan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so before we dive into the book and talk a bit more about that, can you give the audience some, a bit of your background of how you got into quantum and you know your road to get there? Oh, yeah, that's, a, um, that's actually a uh, a long uh, uh, road. I um, uh, I I started to do uh, a PhD in applied physics in um, 1995, so a very long time ago, um, and that was uh, um, uh, acoustic wave theory uh, b- uh, mainly. And I needed some software uh, for that, and there didn't the software that I needed didn't exist. So I wrote big parts uh, myself, and I wanted to do it in a in a programming language that was uh, um, well very applicable to the the problem area. And in 1995, Java was just uh, released. So yeah. I started working with Java in those uh, early days. Um, co-ported it to uh, to Linux. Uh, with a group of uh, people. So that's how I got involved in the Java platform and Java programming language. And I've been uh, um, active there um, ever since. So I'm still very active uh, in in Java, mainly working uh, Java on uh, mobile and clients and and Java FX. Um, But I've always had this uh, um, uh, scientific interest. Um, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm using software to solve problems not because of software itself but to to solve um, real world uh, problems and um, I I've been in contact uh, with uh, um, um, the the world of the um, uh, more scientist uh, side of the area and also more the the software development part Uh, and often those two um, areas are pretty disconnected and that's yeah. that's a pity because um, there's there are so many cool scientists who if they would have access to um, uh, great IT support that they would be able to accomplish more and also the other way around if software developers would have more access to scientists they would be able to to achieve more so I always was interested in the um, in the, the crossing between those two worlds and then, um, well, with quantum computing um, becoming uh, popular, I was asked by um, uh, Jim Weaver, a long time uh, friend and uh, colleague who is now a uh, yeah. quantum evangelist at uh, uh, IBM, to to jointly do some presentations on quantum computing. And um, that's how I um, got started with uh, quantum computing. And then I um, 
I realized that um, if we want to make this interesting to existing software developers, we have to make sure that existing software developers at least understand the basics of quantum computing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask if, uh, since you talked about JavaFX, if you knew JavaFX, Bert. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Very good friend. That's awesome. And yeah, so I guess talking about Java is a good segue before we talk about the book. Um, the book is written for teaching people how to use Strange, which is a Java uh, framework for quantum computing. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yes, so um, Strange is, uh, um, um, is, is a quantum uh, computing simulator uh, uh, with a UI uh, uh, um, component as well. But its main goal is actually, um, I use it in the book to, to teach uh, the concepts of quantum computing. So um, I don't think that, uh, well, the intention is not that um, existing developers are uh, going to use uh, Strange or the book to create new algorithms, like uh, uh, new shore algorithms, for example. That That's not the goal. The goal is to um, provide um, developers and then mainly Java developers, although you don't need to know much about Java uh, in, before you can use Strange, but to give those developers a familiar um, interface that gives them access to quantum uh, computing. Um, many developers yeah. are scared if they see something new, but if they have a library uh, written in a language that they understand using APIs in the same way that they use APIs every day, then it's already more familiar. And then the gap towards quantum uh, computing is, is much smaller. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that makes sense if you're specifically targeting uh, more Java developers as compared to Kiskit, which is Python, or even like recently we've seen brand new languages like Silk come out um, that can be a little bit intimidating if you're just just getting started. Yeah, I I, yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean um, there's uh, nothing wrong with those languages. And uh, um, yeah. I know that uh, most of the um, brilliant um, quantum computing experts are using Python a lot, and that's, that's fantastic. But in order to... Um, to bring quantum computing to the wider developer community, I think it's uh, um, um, yeah, it's beneficial to um, to go to the tools and the area and the comfort zone that those um, uh, existing developers are using. And there are 12 million Java developers out there, and wow. indeed, it would be quite intimidating if they um, see if they have to uh, if they have to work on uh, uh, in, in in Python or in um, uh, Q Sharp or uh, a specific language. Um, that's what um, what developers often um, yeah scares uh, scare a bit, <laughs> and um, I sometimes make the analogy with uh, the GPU. Um, GPUs are very uh, powerful for um, doing graphical processing or uh, mathematical uh, processing. Mm -hmm. And you have different languages for um, uh, talking to GPUs and for um, steering and controlling them. But the Java developer uh, typically won't directly uh, talk to the GPUs in the low-level uh, semantics. Uh, we have high-level Java bindings to those uh, GPUs. So the Java developer can use GPUs because there are Java APIs to uh, uh, access them. Of course, it helps if the Java develop developer understands a bit about the basics of uh, GPUs. 
And I see this mm -hmm. more or less similar to quantum computing. A Java developer does not have to un have to understand the the real ba uh, the concepts of quantum computing, and uh, but if he can access quantum hardware from his Java programming language, and if somehow um, he's able to um, to work with uh, uh, quantum uh, computers, then he can integrate this in his existing or new uh, projects. Yeah, and I guess I'm curious since. You know, like you said, the majority of the the I guess top research is done in things like Qiskit or other Python packages. How how transferable would you say the knowledge that you learn in Strange is over to those new platforms? Um, conceptually, it's uh, um, actually we're talking about the same. So um, there's okay. a great tutorial uh, or series um, uh, in Quizkit, um, also great YouTube uh, channel. I think you had the um, um, the person who does that YouTube uh, uh, um, screencasts in, in yeah. a previous uh, uh, episode. Yep. And, um, yeah, exactly. Yes. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of those uh, uh, screencasts and uh, uh, videos. And um, so he's actually covering the same concepts as uh, um, as what we're doing in uh, Java, but okay. um, it's more, and you see that in, in, in most of the real quantum computing um, tutorials, the focus is more on, uh, yeah, on, on, on the quantum uh, properties and on the characteristics of quantum computing. And in the book, and in Strange, I try to, um, not really to hide those characteristics because, well, they are there and they should be uh, used, of course, but to make them more familiar um, uh, to, to Java developers, well, by using the Java language already and by using typical tools yeah. that Java developers uh, are using. But conceptually, I mean, like um, uh, Deutsch, Jossa, uh, Grover, Algorithm, um, um, Shore, and so um, quantum teleportation, uh, all those things are covered uh, um, uh, in the book, uh, and those are the typical things that are covered in uh, um, uh, other um, uh, tutorials. Yeah, so I guess that's a great segue into talking about what sort of is the the content of the book. If you want to give like a overview of what's in there, that'd be awesome. Yeah, so the one of the uh, the major challenges is uh, so this is a, a book from uh, uh, that I've written for uh, Manning, and um, they. Um, they insist on the concept that the reader should, from the first page, be able to do something. So it's mm. um, it's it, it's pretty hard because you need to explain, but uh, at the same moment, uh, you also need the, the reader to give something that uh, after one page, he should be able to, okay, I learned this and I can now do that. So the book is not um, structured in a way that we first give lots of theory and then uh, um, uh, exercises or uh, algorithms. So we start with uh, um, explaining the core concepts of quantum computing, but for every um, piece that uh, that we explain in the book, there's um, already some code so that the developer can immediately uh, run some code, see that it is doing something, and then manipulate the code, ma making some small changes. Uh, uh, for example, uh, superposition is one of the first things that we talk about. And then um, with the basic information in the chapter, the, the reader can already um, play a bit with Strange and um, make some very simple circuits. 
And then we talk about entanglement. Uh, we explain that, give uh, samples as well. And um, we only um, um, introduce new concepts uh, the moment that we can show code using those concepts. So it's really hands-on. And it's uh, um, something that uh, most developers really appreciate, that um, they can immediately follow what is being explained by reading the code and by executing uh, the code. And then in the... Uh, in, uh, near the end of the book, it's becoming not not really more complex, but we are combining the different uh, uh, concepts. Um, so we're talking about quantum teleportation, Deutsch, uh, Grover's uh, search, and and uh, uh, Shor's algorithm. Um, trying to explain those algorithms, um, but in a way that does not scare away uh, the uh, the developer, and that's that's tricky because. If there would be too much um, equations in the book, um, uh, there won't be too much readers. On the other mm -hmm. hand, I don't want to um, to hide the magic, um, right? Because I worry that otherwise, um, real um, uh, quantum physicists will um, will give lots of valid critics because. Um, um, you can't, um, well, things don't happen magically. So I always prefer to explain why things happen, but I try to do it in a not too mathematical uh, uh, way, but still um, trying to explain the concepts uh, by using code and analogies uh, in other software. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. And I guess that sort of ties in a little bit. Um, you talk about a lot of Java development and it seems to be targeted towards Java developers. Um, but are there are there any prerequisites that you need to know before you can read the book? Or could you come into it knowing absolutely nothing about Java, absolutely nothing about quantum computing? Yeah, that's that is the goal. Now, of course, well, if you have a PhD in uh, quantum computing, then you won't learn much about uh, quantum computing in this <laughs> book, um, but uh, you might learn uh, something about uh, programming. If you're a very good uh, uh, Java developer, you won't learn anything about uh, Java, but you will learn about quantum computing. Um, and if you um, if you are um, uh, no expert at all, and if you have no uh, uh, Java background, then uh, it's still it's still going to be uh, useful because all the samples can easily be uh, executed and are um, self uh, uh, well. I at least I try to make them very readable, and um, they are not. Um, I mean, I didn't write this code for um, top Java developers because there are many um, places where I know that if I'm going to show this to um, well to the best Java uh, architects that they will say, you can do this shorter uh, or you can yeah. do this more concise. But I tried not to do that because I tried to make a one-one um, relation between what is physically happening in the quantum world and how it is written in code. So yeah. that um, it's not software that you're reading, it's a process that you're reading. It's more, uh, you're reading the algorithm. It happens to be written in the Java programming language, but it is really an, an algorithm. So I'm not using uh, some of the greatest features of the Java uh, language, um, not because I don't like them, but just because I wanted to make it uh, uh, very accessible for, for non-Java uh, developers as well. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's interesting of distinguishing it between software and like a process, because um, in 
the uh, quantum computing for the very curious, uh, the Michael Nielsen like online uh, sort of web page essay. Uh, they talk about how the the laws of physics determine what we can compute, and what we can compute is also uh, helps us determine things about the laws of physics. All right. And I think that that that's something that's really interesting. That that close tie-in at the the level of what you're writing in software is actually happening physically. Um, exactly. I'm, yes. I'm curious how how easy is it to get started with with Strange? Um, like I know with Gisket, it's a pip install Gisket, and you're pretty much good to go. Um, is it? Are there extra steps to get started? Can people just download it right away? Is it free? What What's the details there? Yeah, so it's a uh, it's uh, uh, open source uh, BSD license, so there's uh, um, licensing is uh, uh, not an issue at all, um, and you can. Um, uh, in, in the, I think the first appendix of the book explains how to install it. Um, typically, Java developers, they have uh, uh, an IDE, uh, uh, integrated developer environment, um, and that um, provides hooks to install any library, including Strange. So that is very easy. If you don't have that, you can still use uh, build tools like, for example, Maven, and those tools will get all the dependencies, and that's that's working more or less similar like how pip is uh, uh, working. So that process is uh, um, uh, more or less uh, 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 similar, and it's uh, um, um, okay documented, I believe. And because there are so many um, libraries in Java and projects in Java, there are also very uh, a huge amount of resources on the internet on how to install. Um, Java uh, applications uh, on your uh, um, desktop or laptop. So that's that's one of the goals that it should be yeah, as accessible as possible. And you said it was open source. Is that hosted on GitHub, GitLab? Or... Yeah, it's on uh, GitHub, yes. Okay. Yeah. And so then are, are you a developer on Strange? Yes. Yeah, I'm okay. the, the, yeah. <laughs> So that, that that actually helps because uh, um, uh, I'm now writing uh, the chapter on Shor's algorithm, but um, um, Strange didn't have uh, um, um, uh, exponential multiplication uh, yet, so I'm adding that to Strange now so that we can do Shor. Okay, yeah, yeah. So your your work on the book and your work on Strange sort of feed back into each other. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's super cool. Um, I guess to sort of wrap up the episode, the the questions I always ask are starting with, what do you think is the biggest problem right now in quantum computing? Uh, that's a, um, yeah, it, it it depends on what angle that you're looking at. The the one of the biggest problems, at least that I see, and that's so one of the reasons that I'm uh, writing uh, this book is. Um, Imagine, and that's a, with a with a capital I. Imagine that we have uh, huge quantum computers that are extremely performant. Then what are we going to do with those? And uh, um, we have many developers, many software uh, engineers, but um, they are used to classical computing, and that is entirely different. So, right. what um, what I want to achieve with this book is that a software and a existing software developer understands more or less what kind of problems can be solved 
with quantum computing and what kind of problems are not applicable uh, for, for quantum computing. So I think, uh, um, I mean, the hardware is, is extremely challenging and I have uh, lots of respect for the uh, companies and people that are working on making the hardware better and better. But I'm confident that they will get there and they will uh, achieve am amazing results. But then I think uh, it's going to be important that um, that we have algorithms and implementations for problems yeah. that can really benefit from um, the characteristics of quantum computing. And um, that requires uh, um, yeah, different, uh, uh, different skills, different mindsets. And um, yeah, that is pretty challenging, I think. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I think having uh, developers, especially existing developers who are so used to you know, pure classical, I think what you touched on there with the making sure that people know what can't be done with quantum computing is also very important. Yes, yes, because otherwise it's going to be, well, it's expectation management. So uh, people will hear, oh, quantum computing is going to make everything faster. I will write a web page with quantum computing and still the, um, well, the browser, browser is slow. So quantum computing is not good. So, and, 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 and those are the things that, that we need to, uh, uh, to avoid. It's, uh, um, I don't think the, um, most of the existing classical developers will come up with uh, equivalents of uh, Grover search or um, uh, 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 Shor's algorithm. That's not going to happen, but they should uh, know when um, uh, when they can leverage some of the advantages of quantum computing and, um, and integrate that in the existing uh, uh, software. Otherwise, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's going sure. to be hard to integrate it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So then the next question is, what do you think is the biggest promise or the the biggest thing that's going to change the world in quantum computing? And you can take that however many years into the future as you please. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, um, that's that that that's dangerous, of course, because I might get confronted with something very very stupid uh, in <laughs> in uh, uh, ten years from now or so. But so um, and maybe I'm taking my wishes uh, for reality, but. Um, I hope that uh, quantum computing technology technology is going to be used to um, uh, to improve um, the world uh, in general, and um, that means that um, um, medical applications, uh, healthcare, um, 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 biology, and so that we can um, improve uh, searches for. Um, uh, medicines and so that we can uh, improve those with uh, uh, quantum computing um, and uh, I see uh, I think AI combined with uh, quantum computing is one of the biggest uh, um, uh, advantages that that I think will will happen I think general AI is still um, uh, very far out and with the help of quantum computing that can be realized uh, um, probably, um, well, the results can probably much better. So quantum AI is one of the areas that I think um, will really show the benefits of uh, uh, quantum computing. So that and molecular uh, biology, for example, those are two areas that are uh, very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So 
Johan, thanks for coming on the show. Where can people find out more about the, your book, Strange, and what you're working on? Um, yeah, so people can follow me on Twitter. So that's uh, uh, Johan Vos is my um, uh, Twitter handle there. And uh, the book is uh, um, uh, published by Manning. It's uh, in uh, uh, MEEP now, so that's the uh, early access uh, uh, program. Um, and um, the um, uh, strange uh, quantum simulator um, with uh, more information. And so it's, uh, as I said, on uh, GitHub. So it's uh, um, github.com uh, slash QC Java. And then you will find uh, strange there. Awesome. Well, Johan, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks. All right, so this is cool. For the first time ever, I have both questions and corrections for previous episodes. So starting with some feedback. On Twitter, I got like 100% positive feedback. People really liked the episode with Anisha, so I'm taking that to mean I should do more of that format, where I talk with someone from quantum computing who's doing cool things about what they're doing, um, give them an interview, and also talk about news and a topic, just more conversational format. Um, unfortunately, I recorded this episode before I did that and before I got all that feedback, so there really wasn't enough time to change the format. Um, in the future, I'll definitely have more episodes that use that format. Um, it might be a while. I had some just normal interviews set up, so we'll have some more of those. Um, but yeah, um, the question that I got was from David on Twitter, who asked actually a two-part question. First part being, can you recommend any courses and or resources that you use to get up to speed? And the second part being, from a hiring manager perspective, what credentials would lend credence to my ability to succeed in a quantum computing related position without a PhD in quantum physics, of course. So I'm honored that he asked me from a hiring manager perspective. I am not a hiring manager. I can't answer that one super well because... I don't really know what credentials. Um, basically, everyone I talk to has a PhD in in physics. Um, and yeah, so I, I don't really know. Um, but there was a recent preprint published to the archive about what sort of skills and backgrounds are found most frequently in quote quantum industry, which wasn't just quantum computing. It also included things like quantum sensing, so um, building atomic clocks, that sort of stuff. Um, I'm going to link to that in the show notes. It's a good read. Um, the long and short of it is that physics PhDs are the most common type of people employed, followed by like um, mechanical or sorry engineering PhDs or computer science PhDs. Um, basically, it's really helpful to have a PhD. Um, unfortunately, of course, there are some things you can do. Just learn as much as you can. I definitely know some people who have gotten into the industry without a PhD but it is significantly harder, at least at this time. Um, that, I'm hoping that that changes in the future, but yeah, for now, it's kind of, kind of required to have a PhD unless you're doing something extra special. So for courses and resources that I've used, um, I really like Quantum Computing for the Very Curious from quantum.country. Um, again, link to that in the show notes. Um, I know I talk about that all the time. It's still just a great place to start as a beginner. Um, in addition, if you're looking for more free resources, the Qiskit textbook not only teaches about Qiskit, but also about quantum computing in general. 
So also a good place to look for some basic information. If you're coming from a developer background, there is, of course, Johan Vos's book, um, which we talked about in the show. Um, I can't say that personally that I've used it to, quote, get up to speed. Um, I have perused it, and it's got some good content in there if you're coming from a developer background. If you're not, I would say it probably isn't the book for you. You could definitely check it out, and I would recommend it. It's a good book, but it really is highly geared towards developers and very specific, more specifically Java developers. Yeah, so I hope that that answer helps answer your questions, David. Um, I know I answered them already, uh, and if you had similar questions, I hope that answers your questions too. Um, if you want to send me more questions, I'm always happy to answer, um, happy to help. And so yeah, for the correction, um, an information security grad student reached out to me also on Twitter and told me that in the previous episode with Anisha Musti, um, I could make the info a bit more complete. So less of a correction, more of a, here's some more info that would help people understand better what's going on. So specifically in episode 15, which was the Anisha Musti episode, I talked about how secure RSA 2048 is and how it would take so many logical qubits, and that means so many physical qubits, to crack it. However, this person told me that RSA-256 has been used in older systems. So um, these numbers that I'm using, so RSA-2048 and the 256 in RSA-256 is the number of bits used in the keys. So in general, more bits means a more secure key. Um, so yeah, uh, RSA-256, which has a smaller key and is less secure, has been used in older systems, and some legacy systems still use it, even though it's more susceptible to attack. Of course, it should be pointed out that RSA-256 can be cracked currently with classical attacks, so it's less of a quantum computing problem and more of a general cybersecurity problem. So yeah, if you would like to tell me more info, point out something I got wrong, or just generally chat about quantum computing, you can find me on minds.com, M-I-N-D-S, uh, at one Ethan Hansen. I'm trying to switch away from Twitter, because uh, it's closed source, breeding ground for censorship, data, uh, and privacy abuses, all of that good stuff that I'm trying to avoid. Um, minds is open source, and so I think that's cool, and they have a nice privacy policy that involves a jury, but I won't get into that. Um, and I think, yeah, so if you still want to reach out to me on Twitter, go for it. I still check that, um, occasionally I might not be as fast getting back to you, but yeah, um, you can reach out to me on mines or, uh, my email is one Ethan Hansen, the, the number one Ethan Hansen at protonmail.com. Okay. So remember how I said that you could stick around and get maybe a discount on quantum computing for developers. So I have a Manning Publications promo code that you can use at checkout. It's PODQNOW20. So P-O-D-Q-N-O-W-2-0, and that will give you 40% off at checkout. Um, also, if you please could use my affiliate link, which is in the show notes, uh, that helps support the podcast uh, just a little bit. Um, I don't get much kickback from that, but it definitely helps. I also have five promo codes, each one good for a free sample of quantum computing for developers for the first five people to give me feedback on the episode. So if you reach out to me via email or minds um, or however else you'd like to reach out to me, go for it. And first five people will get that free sample. 
If you'd like to support me so I can make more and better episodes, you can support me on Anchor. There's a link to that in the show notes. Or if you want to send me some iota, reach out to me and I'll get you an address. Quantum Computing Now is published in partnership with thequantumdaily.com. The Quantum Daily aims to cut through the technical jargon and the overhyped fluff pieces to deliver quality, comprehensible content about quantum computing. If you enjoy this podcast and would also like text resources, be sure to check out thequantumdaily.com, which I have linked to in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and I'll have the next episode out when I get to it.